much for joining us for this month's episode of my survivor voice the podcast where you'll get to hear voices of independence closure and empowerment i'm danny the founder and president of arthur memorial foundation incorporated which is also the domestic violence nonprofit organization that sponsors this podcast this month y'all i kind of deviated from the plan we have our very first male guest and i want y'all to keep a very open mind because this is a very serious conversation that needs to be had. Scott Miller is a rapper, singer, songwriter, and former abuser who has used his past experiences to gain knowledge about himself and also uses those experiences to express himself through writing and music. Scott, thank you so much for doing this and joining me. I know this is a hard topic to talk about, but if you don't mind, just kind of jump right in and give us a brief introduction of yourself, who you are, what you do, you know, your background. Sure, thank you. Um, thank you again for having me. Um, my name is Scott Miller. I'm a 38-year-old musician out of Albany, New York, originally, uh, currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, currently pursuing my uh, endeavors and writing a book uh, called The Wrong Things, or excuse me, The Wrong Side of Goodbye, which is uh, basically based on my history of domestic violence and family violence growing up from a child. Um, as I said, I'm a musician. I, um, I let a lot of my story out through my music. And uh, I decided to take a different turn, you know, I'm getting older in life and, you know, music is a young man's game. So I'm kind of trying to finagle how I can get my story out there to um, not only let it be told, but to inspire some other brothers and sisters and, and, and just people around the world of how we can address this um, touchy subject of domestic and family violence. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, so you have a history um, that's, pretty lengthy with domestic violence, right? Or domestic abuse or familial abuse. Um, what do you mind sharing like in the beginning, from the beginning, what started well, your history? Well, as, I, as I write in my book, like I, I find out more and more about myself and about my situation every day as I grow. So um, I'm giving you what I have today. I might learn more tomorrow that I didn't touch on because as we grow, we learn, you know, but I, I go back to um, my childhood with, um, with my mother. Um, I, I, I love my mother to death and, you know, she was the best mother a person could ever ask for, but that's probably the first uh, volatile and toxic situation I had with a woman. And I learned that it actually matriculated into my relationships because of some unspoken of or some unresolved issues in that area. Okay. So when you say toxic, um, you got any examples? Because a lot of the times I feel like, especially in Black households, we have been, you know, Black, whether we want to admit it or not, we're raised different. We're bred different. We're a different breed. And um, things that 
go on in our household sometimes we deem normal like you know um i just i had a podcast not too long ago i was talking to a young lady um about um abuse and i said you know with my father like i'm just there were certain things that were just normal the way he talked to us super harsh and rough you know it was all girls in our house but my daddy was rough with us and so it was normal. I didn't realize until I got a little older and was around people who were like, oh, your daddy said that. I was like, yeah, my daddy said that. That wasn't normal. Your daddy didn't say that. So um, do you have any examples on things that um, now looking back, you realize were really toxic, but growing up as a kid, it was just kind of like, well, this is my life. This is just what happened. Sure. Um, you, you know, you can go to like the simplest things as, um, how we're chastised, um, mm. how we're spoken to, um, the length of that that period of, you know, it's like, okay, the discipline is there, but after the lesson is learned and the beating of the, you know, you're gonna do this, you know, it's like after a while, you this voice in this, in this part of you, and, and it's like, okay, enough is enough, I, I got it, you know, and I think that my mother was one of those you know at you people who was just like you know um and another thing and another thing and another thing you know what I'm so it's just like um i learned to pin up my rage and my anger because of course you don't want to lash out at, at, at your parent especially as a child you know you don't want to say okay enough is it. i got it you know shut up you're, you're 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 driving me crazy by you know so that was probably one of my earliest conflictions because I had no way to express myself because it was just, I'm the parent, you're the child, you're going to do what I say. This is the way you don't do this, you know? Um, and, and one thing I learned is early was that we don't talk about what happens in our household. So to be able to vent that, somewhere else to get it out and off of my chest. I didn't even have that outlet because of the dysfunctionals that we don't talk about. Right. Wow. Um, as you were talking, like I started, that's why I love this, this platform that I have created um, in this Survivor podcast, because um, something that you said, like really triggered with me as a parent, I have a son, he's my only child, he's 16 now. Um, when you started talking about the, and another thing, and another thing, I heard myself in that because I do that to my son. And I, I didn't even realize that in his, and because he is such a respectful, um, child, he's very respectful. Um, he's never like came at me with the, well, mama, shut up. Like, stop, I'm done. I'm, I've had enough, but I, I never thought to think to myself, maybe he is tired of me always. Brow, I feel like now hearing you say that, I feel like maybe I browbeat him sometimes because there are times where I'm getting on to him about something and I will just like throw out a laundry list of everything that he needs to correct instead of just addressing the one situation. I'm going to personally take a mental note and um, try to do a better job of that. Thank you for that. Wow. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Sorry. I had an epiphany. Cool. <laughs> I had an epiphany. Okay. So you feel like your toxic relationship started with your mom. Um, so how did that roll over or carry over into your relationships with the women as you got older? Well, 
Well, and, and just to stay on a little bit on childhood and mom for a minute, it's like as I grew older and developed my own personality, my own way of thinking, my own seeing of right from wrong and saying, yeah, I know you're saying it should be like this, but my heart says I should be, you know, sticking up for myself, which you take fucking back. You understand what I'm saying? There was never that open, like when I said that, and then another thing. It's like, okay, before you do another thing, can we address this one thing like you said so that I can show you where I'm coming from so that we're on equal ground? It's like, so as I grew, um, my my anger, like I said, pent up and not having outlets, um, I, I got into a really a relationship really young, you know, we're, we're in middle school and, you know, we think we grown and um, we doing us, you know what I'm saying? We sneaking out or we going to say we staying the night over here and doing all of this. And um, I just remember my, my first like dose of like what I, what I took as heartbreak. I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time I had ended up on punishment. I had gotten to a fight in school because I was always in trouble for some reason or another that pent up rage and I was able to go out, go with my plan. And um, <laughs> it's funny to think about it now. I actually just thought about it when I was preparing myself for the interview and it was just like, one of my friends, one of my boys ended up with the girl because I wasn't around. So like, that was like my first dose of like getting cheated on or getting my heartbreak or disappointed by a female that, you know, wasn't a family member of my, like, like my mother or my sister or something like that. So right. I remember that I, 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 as I grow, like I said, I learn more and I realize like I was just finding these, these, these avenues to where I was, developing anger for women because I was always disappointed for them the love the affection the feeling of belonging or the loyalty you know um mm -hmm. um it's it's a song that I listen to by artists from um from my area um and he says in my mama eyes I can't do nothing wrong you know what I'm saying and it's just like my mama's eyes everything I did was wrong you know what I'm saying? So, like, when when it came to relationships with women, whatever I couldn't get right or whatever, I, I, I developed an insecurity, should I say. I developed security of never being enough. You understand what I'm saying? So, and, and I don't know, you know, as far as, like, the zodiacs and the stars go, I'm, an, I'm a cancer. I'm an emotional person. I'm a people pleaser. I want everything to be right. I'm a hopeless romantic, you know, I'm all these things. So it's like, I'm always overthinking things. I'm always, you know, and when it's not enough, that's when I get into that stage of inferiority and security. And that's where anything can trigger me from, you know, you might spend a little bit too much time in your phone when I'm having a conversation with you or, you know, you, are, are, are emotionally disconnecting because I've already emotionally disconnected because I'm in my head. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different things that I could touch on that have caused the development of that long history that you spoke about in the beginning. Right, right. So you feel like you're um, like the actions that you may have taken in, in, your relationships that you know many people look on and say were abusive 
um, that they came from a place of hurt. They came from a place of, of abuse. Yes. Definitely, and this dumb expectations, disappointments, and, and and just let me say this. Let's also touch on the fact that there wasn't a platform for what a man should be and how a man should treat a woman. I I didn't have that picture. I didn't have you know you, you as, as it's so cliche to say, but what we had was Philip Huxtable. You know what I'm saying? We had what we saw on TV. There wasn't. There wasn't any man around treating my mother like the queen she deserved to be treated like to show me that even when she gets on your nerve, you still love her and you still cater to her needs because she's fragile because she may need just a little bit of patience in order to know that you love her. And you know, there's so many things that I, 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 I write about every day and I, and I learn every day. Like I'm, I'm a delivery driver by day, so I'm always just listening for what that next voice is telling me or what my heart is telling me and that's another huge you know huge uh, uh, uh barrier between you know um the the violence and the hurt right right oh wow this is why i felt like it was so important to get a male's perspective um on domestic violence and um uh, just just domestic abuse and also uh, some insight into male mental health as well because you know now um because of so many tragic things happening we as a society have um started to put a huge emphasis on mental health which was not the case you know shoot i'll go back to say even five years ago putting an emphasis on men mental health wasn't a big deal in the black community and um now with us putting this emphasis on it, you always hear tons of women talking about self-care is the best care. I'm going to see my therapist, um, you know, mental health matters, but we still are not talking to our men. And so it's really refreshing to hear um, a, a man stand up and say, look, I realize that my mental health matters and I realize that there are things that I need to heal from before I can be the, the man that a woman deserves. And I have an 18 year old son, you know what I'm saying? He's my pride and joy and I have to protect his image. Yes. He has to grow up in my image. He has to grow up in the image that was put before him. You understand what I'm saying? And we, 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 we look at, ancestry we look at our history and what we come from you know what i'm saying and he comes from me i come from my father my father you know what i'm saying and when you learn that there's this 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 generational uh uh, uh, uh cancer mm -hmm. in, in your family dynamic you understand what i'm saying it's like that's that's what it is for me i do have to protect the image of my brothers i do have to protect the image of, of mankind you understand what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at with this. It's like, it's not about me. It's about the many of me's. You understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, we, we use the term family violence and we use the term domestic violence, but you very rarely hear the intimate partner violence part of it. Yes, yes. You understand? Like it, it's a two-way street. And and it, it's kind of tough for, for men because it always looks like we're victim blaming or we're looking for a way out. We're looking for an excuse, but it's like, honestly, we're statistically outmatched. You know what I'm saying? 
nine times if a male if a male calls police to the scene there's nine times out of ten not going to be a report taken it's super tragic not only are we dealing with this on the women's side and don't get me wrong women do get the majority of the instances but i also think that the statistics for male um victims are so low because men have been taught to be so manly that they're ashamed and they won't report and so I feel like it's super important to start having that conversation and changing that narrative for men to be open and to be vulnerable, to be able to say, hey, what you did hurt me. Because I, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I will tell you my journey and, and my purpose in, in, in this is not about male, female. Mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, it, it, it's about pulling these pulling these entities together because at the end of the day uh we we can work better together to 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 do away with the problem rather than you're over here we're over here like if you think about it right mm -hmm. you can you can take the smallest you know domestic incident to where you know the, the cops are involved or whatever the case may be and once the authority is involved involved the separation begins. You understand what I'm saying? They separate the two rather than, you know, mandate them to some type of, of, of family or, or couples therapy for a certain amount of time and, and giving people the outlet to say, this is what's going on here. This is what's going on here. Or maybe in another case, a safe outlet to leave and say, okay, I don't want to do this. I want to leave. He's scary. We need to arrange this and have it from day one. So it doesn't have to be two people trying to figure out stuff on their own, doing impulsive stuff on the fly and ending up in, in, in terrible situations. I, I, I definitely agree with that. But I do want to go back to something that you said, um, you know, saying for you that, you know, it's not about male and female. And I get that 100%. But for me, the reason I always refer back to male and females because we're broke, both, both sexes are completely broken. When you're, when there's a, a abusive situation, both partners are broken. Um, in different in different forms, but they're both broken. One is broken, um, possibly because of the abuse, and the other is broken because of past traumas. And I say male and female because they can't help heal together until she goes and she heals from whatever it is she's dealing with, and he goes and heals from whatever it is he's dealing with. And then they can start to mend what they've got going on within their relationship. Um, and so that's why I always revert back to say, okay. Women support your men, men support your women. Be, be, I know there, you know, there was that, that meme or that saying that went around for a long time, like, uh, be his peace. And then a lot of women and feminine, um, feminist activists. All that, all that cliche stuff needs to stop. All that, all that, all that peace. Like, like, come on. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just, that's what I was getting into. Yes, like, a lot of. Like, well, no, well, what is he going to do for her? I'm like, no, you need to be your own peace, find your peace, come to terms with everything that's going on. Then y'all can heal together and be each other's peace and, and uh, each other. <laughs> kind of what I meant by I don't see it as male, female. I see it as, 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 as everyone is because it, domestic violence, family violence, it, it has no, it has no gender or, or, or nationality. I mean, it's not you, you can, 
from the hood or you can be a, a billionaire, you can be a politician, you can be a doctor, you, you understand? What I'm, it, it's, it's prevalent in so many different areas and so many di different places, but I, I do feel like as a black man, just with a lot of things that, that my plight carries is that that scrutiny falls a little heavy on us. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And so, so therefore, I feel like as my, as, as my individual self trying to influence, you know, a body of people that I need to be able to bring those politicians and those, those street people, those black people and those white people, those men and those women together under one forum to be able just to open their eyes and say, you know what, I have something in common with a lot of other people and I need to find a safe outlet or I would like to become a part of something bigger than myself. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Order to make, you know, a, a, a ends to a mean. Gotcha. So how do we get to a point? I, I love the idea of putting it all in one room and let's talk about it. But, um, how do we get to a point? It's hard to put these people in a room when they're still healing. You see what of I'm saying? Like, of course, the process. Yeah. The process. It's just like it's just like um, a little bit more about my history. I'm um, a junior high school dropout, not a high school dropout. I'm a junior high school dropout. Okay, so a lot of my education comes from experience. You know what I'm saying? I, I've managed to work my way into a common GED. I have some background in uh, criminal justice, sociology. I have some background in human services and uh, alcohol and substance abuse training. So it's like, but I also have a background with, with, with uh, drugs and violence and prison. And you understand what I'm saying? So Absolutely. it's, I'm sorry, I thought you were about to say something. So it's just like when, when talking about these these issues and, and, and uh, of sorts it's like i've seen so many different people walk in and out these doors whether it's a, the, the, the door of a shelter you understand what i'm saying where it's not because they're um on drugs or because you know they they can't manage their funds they're trying to get away from their abusive spouse yeah. you understand what I'm saying, meanwhile, I'm going through something at home where I'm the abuser, but I'm sitting here taking the intake of a person who's going through the same thing I'm putting a female through. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So it's 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 funny how life correlated for me to be able to even come to this place to where the realization is like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Absolutely. Do you think your experiences in that capacity are kind of, do you feel like they contributed to you deciding to find some, some, some solace or some peace and about your, your past and what was going on? You know, part, part of it, part of it was, I mean, part of it was looming. Um, I have been through a couple of tumultuous, tumultuous relationships back to back that um, really sent me through the ringer. And it's kind of like, it was like karma. You understand what I was ready? I was finally ready to man up, finally ready to be that person. And I ended up in situations with people who hadn't healed yet. 
So we couldn't be in the same room. To, so I know that's why I'm saying, telling you it's a process and it's levels. You got a person that's ready to heal, and then you got a person that doesn't even realize that they have something to heal from. You understand? And, and trying to get this person to be where you're at, and you can't, and you don't want to give up on this person. So you're sitting there, and it's like you're not, and then this, and then that. You're just sitting there waiting for that person to change or you're sitting there waiting for that person to, to, to take the message. And what, it, what happens is you keep on turning around disappointed. Every time, every time you turn around, you have an expectation. Okay. Well, maybe this time it'll be better. Maybe next time the argument will be, you know, less uh, violent or maybe we won't have to, maybe this week will be better or maybe we can get through today. Then you start realizing like, wow, the, the time spans are getting really small between you know, the mess. Yes, like it's, it's happening more and more often, more frequently. So, 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 and just before you, um, before you continue, that's what I was talking about, you know, saying, I know it, we can't just put all these people in one room, but you might have one of these victims or one of these perpetrators that tunes into something like your podcast and says, hmm, and might have them sit on the edge of their bed at night, like, hmm, and then wake up the next morning like, I want to do something about my own problem. I don't want to say the world. I just want to do something about my own problem. That's you it. Know? That is it. And if we can all just get to that point, to just recognize our own issues, um, the world will be a, a, a better place. And guess what? And then you'll have the whole bunch of people in a virtual room mentally. Yes, yes. And that that was the point I was trying to hit on. I wasn't trying to sound. I was trying to sound a little bit cool when I hit on it, but you know, uh, no, not at all. Uh, but for real, um, you know, having the same, having everybody in one room doesn't have to be physically. It's a mental thing. It's a mind frame. You know what I'm saying? On the same. Definitely, absolutely. Now, I I wholeheartedly, 100% agree. Um, the the question is though where do we start with getting people to heal so that we can get in this room together um you know like you say you know everybody's not going to be able to save the world and my goal is not to save the world my goal has always been since i started this whole um journey has been to if i could help one person um one one young lady realized that she doesn't have to go through what she's going through and she can she can get to a better space if i can help one man realize um that his his hurt is coming where his hurt is coming from and he can heal from it and be a better man for it if i can just help one person with whatever it is they're dealing with i feel like i fulfilled my purpose um, and because it only took what me to hear one person in in a um was it a it wasn't a, a conference i want to say it was a webinar um i it took me to hear one person um um speak about just they actually were talking about the book the Pur purpose driven life um but it took one person to put that in terms where i understood it and it changed my entire outlook on life i'm gonna be honest a, a few years back i was a different Totally different person. <laughs> totally different person. Um, and I'm still growing, and I'm I'm gonna be growing for the rest of my life. But I I am so thankful that I'm not the person I was uh, five six years ago. So 
if I could just one per if I can get to one person who hears something I've said or some platform I've let somebody get on and said something that changes the trajectory of one person, I feel like my purpose is fulfilled and nobody has to listen to anything else ever. <laughs> so. and, and that's and that's my thing. It's like um it's like the the whole pay it forward method, you know. It's like this is this is my way of paying for the coffee for the person behind me. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? This is also my way of, you know, um, apologizing to my victims. And this is my, this is also a way for me to uh, in, indulge or, or, or allow some of the, the, the persons who might be perpetrators to indulge in their own problem. This, this is, you know, it, this didn't happen for, for no reason. You know what I'm saying? You didn't come out of any you know anywhere i wasn't posting and putting up you know the material i was putting up for no reason you know it, it doesn't happen to be international women's month for no reason you understand what i'm saying like there there's this everything's about timing and, and purpose for me definitely definitely things are all about timing um and i think when i found um when i found you on social media um i actually found you through a hashtag believe it or not and I had already been saying, like, I wish I could get a man to talk about this. I wish I, because, you know, man, I'll be honest, you are the first man who has not shied away from this topic, topic. Now, I get men who support and who will say, oh, man, that's messed up or that's sad. But most men that I have encountered, like, they don't want to talk about this. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear it um on either side of the spectrum they don't want to hear it if they're a victim and they don't want to hear it if they were a perpetrator so um you are a definitely a rare breed i'll say that thank um, you but I, I didn't aspire to be a rare breed in this context but thank you very much <laughs> all the way around though not just not just with you and um you your willingness to share your willing your um your willingness to to uh, tech topics head on but also just hearing your background like you're not gonna find many middle school dropouts who have the vocabulary you have and who talk as and express themselves as well you have and i know that has come with a price and that has come with growth but you're aware breed all the way around so um, <laughs> let's just put that out there so your first instant of abuse instance of abuse in a instant partner relationship um you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, give me a second. Give me a second to compose myself. So Absolutely. I'll, um, I'll say as early as maybe 17-ish, uh, um, I was always in relationships with older women. You know, um, I, I, took on, I took on more than I, I could bear all the time. You know what I'm saying? And... Um, I, I was, excuse me, 19, I'm going to, excuse me, 19. And I was in a relationship with an older woman who had kids. I was in college. Um, I had all my dreams and aspirations ahead of me. And um, I took on this, this task of being the, the partner of this person who was, you know, much older than me, but more needy. And um, Long story short, I had ended up dropping out of college, going back to the streets to help financially support this person and their children. And I just thought I, I had it all under control. And, um, you know, the, the more I tried and, 
more, you know, the more effort I put forward, I just felt myself dwindling. I, like enough was never enough, you know. And um, whether it would be me um, spending too much time in the streets and or 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 cheating, you know, because a lot of it comes from that. Us as men, you know, uh, trying to have our cake and eat it too, which you know. Um, that's that's just a, also another part of, of of the story where it's just like, you know, um, not getting what we need fully from one person and seeking it out somewhere else, and how that brings people and violence into another situation as well. But um, I just remember, you know, um, taking out my hair one night and her nagging me about um, I don't I don't want to swear no my my females and um, my, my extracurricular activity and, you know, and me coming back at to, well, I need to be in these social circles and in these places in order to take care of you because of this, this, and that. And I just got frustrated and I threw a comb again uh, across the room. And like, I played baseball and I, and I wasn't very good at it, but you understand what I'm saying? I, this, it, 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 it was just so like instant where that, it, it was just like a perfect throw and I, it wasn't even intentional, but she ended up with like a, a huge contusion on her eye to where she had to go to the hospital, lie about it, all that, you know what I'm saying? And here I am, 19, she's 27, um, you know what I'm saying? She's trying to protect me. And I, you know, it, it, was, it was a messy situation and I, I felt really bad about it, but then a week later, we were arguing and fighting again or whatever the case may be. And this is all while I still have physical and visual uh, uh, of evidence of what it leads to. Right, right. You understand? So like I say, like, like being able to say, okay, um, right then and there, there should have been a talk or there should have been a separation or I can't say any of that. Mm -hmm. What I can I can say is I didn't know what to do at that point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, 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 and just like any other, um, like any, I want, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go as far as not to call it an addiction. You understand? And because once you, um, see that a certain behavior or a certain way of being gets you what you want, you start to move accordingly. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like um, you raising your voice or you, you, you talking in a certain tone to uh, gain control. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Those are, those are the things that trigger you, but the more you can get away with, the more you go. It's like if a bank robber, rob, why can't a bank robber rob one bank, get paid and go? Because it becomes something that's 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 normal mm -hmm. or, or 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 something that, that that they get a kick out of you understand what i'm saying so that's what happened I, I became the aggressor and the person who always wanted to be in control of things when it got bad you know gotcha gotcha i get that um so when that incident happened like you said you, it became commonplace Mm -hmm. um, when did you realize that okay now is i need to fix this what was the, was there a, a a situation that happened or was it just something that clicked it, okay no, something changed 
things in that situation just got worse. Um, a couple of months down the line in that situation, I had ended up spending some time in jail um, over a domestic incident with her. Um, I had gotten out of jail and, you know, people talk or whatever the case may be. And I had ended up kicking in the door because another guy was there probably, you know, for protection or whatever the case may be. But that's when I realized, like, this situation is, is too much for me. It wasn't anything that I realized I had to fix. It took me a long time and a lot of years to realize that it was even a problem. You to even realize I, I wanted or I needed to fix something. Nobody could tell me. You understand what I'm saying? I was just always this um, violent, volatile person, and I always responded with anger and violence. So it's like, if you know me to be this person, then you won't act in ways that will trigger this. And it wasn't only for, for, for females, it was for males too. I, I grew up in institutions and group homes and jails and stuff like that. So violence just became a, a big wall, a big, a big wall of defense. Right, right. I got you. So you feel like you were, like you said, a big wall of defense. You were defending yourself. Or do you feel like you were defending yourself or do you feel like you were defending your emotions, which are a part of you. But you know, sometimes you feel like, well, I'm doing this because you're doing X, Y, and Z. Or was it just like a knee-jerk reaction to the emotions that you hadn't dealt with? Well, first off, you'll never hear me say, I did something because somebody else. I did something because I wanted to do it. And I felt like that action at the time would suit me. Mm, okay. All so if I raise my fist, raise my voice, act crazy, be crazy, or whatever, you're you're going to be intimidated, and then I'm going to be in control. Gotcha. What I'm saying? That's that's what that's the gist of it. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm sure if some of these females would have been like, "Well, I'm gonna call my brother," da 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 da, and they brothers really came over and said, "Look, you ain't gonna be treating my sister like this," and you know what I'm saying? I, I would have got my butt kicked the way I deserved probably a couple times. It would have been a different story, and I would have learned a long time ago. But 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 knowing that people are vulnerable or or or, or gaining control so that they won't seek help. You understand what I'm saying? It gives you that 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 avenue, that platform to continue. Right. When you play with my mind or you play with my heart, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That hurts more than you physically putting your hands on me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I can't equally hurt your mind or hurt your heart because you care less and I'm invested. The only thing I know how to do is act out physically to get that instant gratification. I take it back to my childhood, right? Mm -hmm. um, my mother was a single mother, four kids, you know what I'm saying? Did the best she could, like I said, but I, I didn't have the best. Like I said, I came from meager, uh, <laughs> meager beginnings. Um, I had to grow up with kids whose parents had 40-hour week jobs when my mom was on welfare, or I had to grow up with the drug dealers' kids who had fresh Air Jordans, and you understand what I'm saying? And the only way to defend myself when getting picked on or, or when the jokes came was to say, well, I know I'm physically superior to this person, so guess what? You can't beat me. 
So every time you try to hurt my feelings, just know I'm going to whoop your, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's early onset, and it just becomes that wall that I'm telling you about that sets you up for, for, for future, for, you know, future defense. Mm-hmm. But not offense. Being physical is, not, is never about offense. You think of the best boxers, and, and, and I don't mean to correlate boxers to domestic violence, but if you think about the best boxers in the world, they were defensive. They waited for the, their, 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 their counterpart to make a mistake, and then they countered. They didn't just jump on them and go crazy. Right. It's a mental thing. Right. It's a mental thing. So it's just like that defense carried me into places where it got me out of some situations, and then it got me into some really bad Mm-hmm. And that's another reason I want to do this episode is because I feel like we look at, we hear domestic abuse and we always imagine a woman with black eyes getting, you know, pummeled by this big burly man. And that is not always, which don't get me wrong, that is a huge part of it and a very important part because like I said, the physicality um, and things, when, when things get physical, the reason for me, I feel like it's more hurtful is because sometimes getting physical can go so go too far and take somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, that emotional abuse with a good therapist <laughs> right. um, and, you know, some good self-awareness, you can heal from that quicker than you can somebody taking your life because you're not, there's no coming back from that. So, and that, like, and, and I, like I said, I can only speak for myself, but and like I, I really don't want to touch on your niece's situation per se, but there's situations like that where, you know, things could have been going on for so long. But you know, in those situations, for me, the first thing that I want to do when I see things going bad is cut off her communication to anybody who can support her feelings. Mm-hmm. Understand what I'm saying? So give me that, give me that phone, give me them keys. You ain't going nowhere. We're gonna talk about this. But we ain't really trying to talk about it to, to, to come to an end. I want to be in control. So we're going to talk about this to see the best outcome for me. Right. Stay in your place. So then what happens is that trial goes by to where that person, that victim, just gets tired and agrees to go along with it and gets, just gets used to not talking about it. You understand what I'm saying? And that that's really unfortunate because as I saw that, I thought to myself, well, maybe if I would have gave that person somebody to talk to, because remember I said as a child, when my mother would go in on me, I just wanted somebody to be able to respond to and tell how I felt. And maybe they could have gave me a better perspective on how to handle it and play my role correctly in my relationship. Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's like that for me, I, I learned like you can't control a person's, actions or reactions the only thing that you can control is how you would like to see things come out you understand what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. that that cutting off of communication is a lot of the reasons why things drag out for so long because it's like you don't have 50 11 chances you understand what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. for me for me instead of getting it right i'm thinking i'm gonna have 50 12 chances and 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 that's when it that's when that's where i'm wrong you know what i'm saying Right, right. I definitely get that. It's it's crazy to hear um, the things that 
that have triggered you. And the reason I say that is because I know myself and I know tons of women who, who have done and still do a lot of that. Like, you know, sometimes we just want you to listen. So we are naggers. We, we will nag sometimes and to know that that is a trigger for somebody. And I guess that's one of the, the biggest reasons why, um, you need to really truly know who it is you're dealing with and know where their headspace is and and care about their mental health and and care about their their emotions um because you like you you know it's people say it all the time it's kind of cliche but um you never know what somebody's going through right and 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 and, and two and two to the defense of anyone who I've been in these situations with, they had no idea that I dealt with depression from six, seven, eight years old. Right. A, a doctor never told me that. A family member never told me that. You know who told me that? I told myself that when I sat there and reflected on myself, waiting for my dad to come on a Friday in that window and him never showing up or, you know, having seasonal depression when, you know, it starts to rain and I, I want to be outside playing, but the rain is messing up my day. There were so many onsets as a ch uh, as a child. Like I, I, I took notes, I, you know, I said, uh, you know, sad movies, I used to cry to movies. I used to cry to, uh, to music, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just always, I always felt alone. You know what I'm saying? I always felt like I'm in a room full of people and nobody sees me. Right. And like, like I said, I, I feel like that came from not having that mother-son bond that I felt like I should have had the nurturing and, you know, the, the, the cuddling, the, the holding, the kissing, the hugs, the, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I didn't grow up like that. You know what I'm saying? So right. um, I, I grew up also this, I didn't even touch on this. I grew up with, you know, the mind frame of, and this was told to me by a, a family member who was a woman. If a woman's bad enough to talk to you like a man or put her hands a step to you like a man, then you put her down like a man. So part of me in the back of my head, even though I knew that that was dysfunctional as heck. Right. And a part of me, when I did do it, would justify it by that. Wow. You understand? And so there, there's so many different, like, that like this 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 podcast ain't long enough to, to touch on everything that you know for for me personally you understand what i'm saying because let me tell you something if, if nagging was the only thing that triggered me as as as, as an abuser as a, you know mm -hmm. I, I i don't think i don't think i would be even willing to sit here and have this conversation because i'll be looking to justify nagging right so if, right if people who try you know <laughs> It, it's way it's way deeper than that you know what i'm saying um you, you I, i've been taken advantage of you know what i'm saying because you know um people see that you do have good intentions or you do want what's best and they they look for ways to self-sabotage because they're not ready and they don't know how to express that right right that's so there's so many i mean I, I'm right. Like I said, my book is called The Wrong Side of Goodbye. And it's based on eight relationships over 20 years with females in different of different sizes, shapes, colors, religions. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and I just 
I, I really like I can't wait until like someone gets a hold of of, of my story on, on on a bigger surface. And like I said, it's not about the check. It's not about clout. But these are the conversations that need to be had more often. Absolutely. 100 percent. I definitely agree with that, um, because without it and um, like I said, just hearing you talk, like I said, and, and you're not even talking, you're talking about your own experiences, but I can definitely correlate some of your experience with, like I, like I told you in the beginning, like just me talking to my son, some of the things I say to him. So somebody is going to hear it and it's going to trigger them to say, okay, well maybe I do need to, um, you know, my aunt calls it, take an inventory of myself. Um, you know, maybe I do need to take an inventory of myself and kind of figure out where this is going and, and why I am the way I am and what is triggering me, quote unquote. Um, so I do appreciate, like I said, I appreciate your transparency. When you finally decided to come into like a place of self-realization, um, was there an event that made you, you know, yes, man. Yes, ma'am. So in, in twenty in two thousand eleven, I was um, I had a really promising um, local buzz as far as my music was going. Um, I had just came home from another stint in jail, um, setting myself back, and I was just totally focused on this dream. And um, <clears throat> I met a female, and I got involved with her. And it's kind of like deja vu of the female who I was with at 19 years old. She was really needy at the time of her life. She was going to nursing school. She had a, a child, a young child. And her, her on-again on again boyfriend and baby father, he just wasn't on his job. And we grew fond of each other. And um, she would tell me about his, uh, his history you know, locking her in bathrooms and all the stuff that she was going through day to day and she would escape and I was her her pillow, I was her crutch. Yeah. So kind of, that was my first like realization of my own actions and the kind of what I look like on the outside, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that was my first instance of never wanting to be that person again for this person. I, I didn't know it wasn't for me Keep in mind, it wasn't for me. I never wanted to be that person again for this person. So I played Superman. You know what I'm saying? I actually, I think I moved like 50, 60 miles away from where I lived, where my child was, where my studio was, where everything was to be with this girl and help her. And what happened was is I wasn't happy. I was, I was, I was alone. I already felt alone in the world as a person and inside, but now I'm up here with this person who she's going to school, she's going to work. I'm an in-house babysitter. Um, I got to work an overnight job that I don't like. I'm sitting here trying to live out, you know, my, my dope boy fantasies because I'm not home anymore where I know everybody. It's like, I don't, I'm confused about who I am, what I'm doing here and what's expected of me. You understand? And so, this particular person had a history herself going back to her mother and um, had actually been in a really violent situation as a child with her mother and her siblings that 
will will later on in this story make sense to to people with common sense but um we 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 were in a relationship for about 13 months it wasn't long um and what happened was she ended up cheating um the the child's father ended up getting into her head whatever the case may be um i had taken a greyhound bus from my hometown to where i had moved to with her to kind of like you know be that cancer male that hopeless romantic you know throw a rock at your window and sing you a sweet lullaby and hope you take me back even though i know things have top have been toxic because over this 13 months we've had the cops called to our house by the neighbors for yelling and throwing stuff and let me just say this um this was my first relationship when the the, the violence was initiated by the female you 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 know saying like yeah. i have Oh, I had always been, you know, aggressive. Yeah. And and when I would get smacked, or when I would, you know, I would get told I was I was a piece of this, you know, I, I would I, I would break stuff, I would punch walls, breaks, you know, but I would never hit her. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's kind of like you you're forcing me down that road, and that's why when those when those uh when those instances when the the authorities were involved. I always stayed on the scene because for one time in my life, I was not the aggressor. I was not the person who, you understand what I'm saying? And every time I came there, every time they came there, there was no police report involved. They would tell me to take a walk or they would ask me if I, you know what I'm saying? And, and I would come back and whatever the case may be. So on that night in August of 2013, when I took that Greyhound to her house, there was some lies in the air and I knew it was some, you know, females have intuition, males have instinct or whatever the case may be. So come to be, she was home that night and she told me she wasn't. Um, I was outside of her house, not to be like stalkerish or anything, but to just kind of figure out my game plan, how I was gonna, you know, how I was gonna approach this. Um, her roommate at the time and I weren't seeing eye to eye or so I thought um that she didn't want me to be there so over that whole summer helping her watch her kid and stuff while she went to um work and school she would sneak me in and out the house so the roommate wouldn't know i was there because the roommate quote unquote didn't want me there so on this certain night she came out and she was smoking a black and mild which was rare to me because she didn't smoke cigarettes or black well she smoked cigarettes but not black and mild so um her daughter who hadn't seen me in a couple of days you know, came across the threshold of the door, hugged me. You know, this little girl was used to me. I potty trained her. I taught her how to spell her name. I, I bought her first bike with training wheels. Like, you know, people say 13 months isn't a long time, but a lot happens in a day. So 13 months, you know, especially when I'm spending more time with the child than the parent because the parent is pursuing their, you know, activity. So, um, so that night, um, we went upstairs and, you know, the uh, baby girl, she wanted me to read her a bedtime story. I did that. And um, I was actually going to go to the store, get me some uh, some wraps to smoke. You know what I'm saying? Everything gets situated because it was like I, I was relieved that everything was going well. And um, as I went to go grab the keys off the uh, off the nightstand, I'm also looking at her phone 
But I'm telling myself, Scott, don't touch her phone. Don't touch her phone. Don't just take the keys, go to the store, be good. But, and then there go, and then boom, the trigger gets pulled. And don't touch my phone either. Mm-hmm. So now, like, you're, you just took everything I just, now I got the phone. Um, passwords change. I can't get into the password. Um, we spent the whole night in the room talking about who was it because I knew she was cheating or whatever the case may be. We, we talked about our whole relationship, what she did wrong, what I did wrong, why we couldn't be together, whatever the case may be. So um, in the wee hours of the morning, the baby wakes up and has to go to the bathroom. I offer to bring the baby to the bathroom. She says no. So I use the, um, you know, the, the, the roommate as leverage. I said, well, your roommate don't want me here. So if, you, if I take her to the bathroom, your roommate gonna know I'm here. So if you don't want me to go out there, give me the password to your phone. Well, she gave me the password to her phone and went to the bathroom. I found out some, like some naked pictures, all of this other stuff, um, you know, infidelity, stuff like that. So I had some things stored at her house that um, I guess her child's father had came and confiscated um, money, drug paraphernalia, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was more worried about my stuff than I was worried about the relationship anymore because I was heartbroken. So I, I grabbed her keys, which I already had, and said, you know, if you want your car, tell him to bring me my money and my stuff. Tell him to come and get it. You know what I'm saying? I was like kind of being antagonist, and I left the scene. Well, Four hours later, she went into a um, police station saying that I had held her and her daughter hostage and against their will all night and took off with her vehicle. So so I was arrested for that, and I spent 80-something days in jail before I got out on bail. But in that 80-something days, I was reading law books and trying to figure out how to defend myself. You understand? Then because like I said, for the first time, this was a relationship where I wasn't looking to be that person. You know what I'm saying? So when I got out on, on bail and I was like trying to find a lawyer to defend me and I didn't have much money and, you know, I ended up with a public defender who was basically telling me like, I'm screwed. And I had like 28 years worth of charges if I was convicted but at trial. Now, it wasn't, there wasn't a sign of forced entry at this house. There wasn't a bruise on this girl or her child. There was never any pictures or, or medical, nothing. Right. And you know what I'm saying? So that was my first dose of what an unfair system that I lived under as well. Mm-hmm. So I had to protect myself. You know what I'm saying? I knew I had a history and I knew there was a lot of things that I did get away with. So I ended up playing out um, to, a, a, to a, a, a charge that had nothing to do with domestic violence. It was actually attempted burglary in the second degree, mm-hmm. you know, and I ended up playing out and I ended up doing uh, two years in state prison and being on parole for two years. And um, I learned a lot about myself. That's when I really started, like, that's when I really started going deep. That's when I really started, like, you know, like, when you're around a thousand other people and it's only 30 or 40 of you that are there for the reason that you're there for, have the, the background that you have on paper. Right. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're the next thing after, after, after a rapist and a child toucher, a, a, a woman abuser. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I got to navigate the system as this person. 
and it came a point to it was just like, you know what? Now it's time to stand up for, 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 for your shortcomings. And, and we, you can't hide. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did that. You know what? And, and guess, and that's that's what made me. That's what gave me the strength. Because I had to live amongst, I had to live amongst robbers and killers, and and say, yeah, I put my hands on female. I'm not a woman beater, but I have had instances to where, and guess what? If I ever see another dude putting his hands on a female, nine times out of ten, I'm gonna knock him off his rocker. But I have been in situations where I've done that. Yeah, yeah. You understand? And so that was the huge event that really, like, kind of turned, you know, my 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 violent and and, and, and dysfunctional toxic history into something that I seen as a problem and needed to be addressed. Right. That was your turning point. Yeah. Your growth process. What did that look like? Like, I know you said, you know, of course going to prison is, is a, a huge, uh, you know, a, a very life chain, life altering event for anybody. But what did that process of actual healing and discovering yourself and coming to the point where you are now, what did that look like? It looked like a lot of crying under my covers. Um, I smoked a lot of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because honestly, honestly, um, I know I have some undiagnosed um things about me, whether it be bipolar, depression, you know, whatever the case may be. So I self-medicate and that that's my choice. You know, I'm not big on alcohol. So, you know, um, but a lot of reading and research, that was, that's what it was, what it brought me to. That's what, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a junior high dropout. Like you said, a lot of people wouldn't have half of the moxie that I have coming from where I came from with my, but I'm a, I'm also an autodidact. I'm all, I, I love learning. I love, like, I'm a Jeopardy fan. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I do crossword puzzles and word searches and, you know what I'm saying, Sudoku, like, those are my pastimes. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a writer. I write music and, and poetry and, you know, I, I write statements. I write my own, like, my, like you know, if, if I could, I would make my own memes. I hate memes. Like I, I use them every now and then, but memes are so cliche. I needed to feel. I need people to come from where they're coming from, not use a meme to express themselves. Absolutely. You understand? And so, excuse me. Um, so yeah, um, it looked like a lot of ups and downs. It looked like a lot of thinking I had it and then I did it. Um, uh, out of fresh out of prison, um, you know, act, honestly, I was bitter and. Um, resentful and I was just like you know that's where the growth initiated but you can't try to grow being bitter and and mad at the world you know what I'm saying you're not going to attract the energy you're looking for right and and, and and that's what happened you know um I had made some promises to myself you know said I was going to do and said I wasn't going to do some things and once you you know start holding yourself accountable Everything after but is BS. You understand what I'm saying? I was going to do this, but. You know, so I don't like to say but, and I don't like to say about. You know, either I'm going to do it, either I'm going to do it, or it's done. You understand what I'm saying? If I'm going to do it, I'm not going to talk about it. So I came out in um, 2015, 
and I had to go to batter's intervention classes. Now, I've had a history with anger management, anger replacement training since a child. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know how to retain it. I chose to take these actions. Nobody's actions made me do anything. These are my defenses. These are what worked best for me. So these are the avenues I chose. Mm -hmm. As I'm going to these places, I'm hearing these grown men who were strong enough to put their hands on a female, not be strong enough to stand in a room full of men and, and come to, to terms with, they, with them having a problem. You're in a room full of men that put their hands on women, but you're the only one who don't. Didn't want to admit it. Yeah. I, I see they weren't willing to even come up off of that, that part of it. And it was sad. Yeah. yeah. It was sad. Yeah. It's kind of like when you um, reference the 12-step program, the first step is admitting there's a problem. Yeah. Like, do that, the, the, the rest of the steps, just not, they're not going to happen. So, yeah. You, so I started taking the paperwork home. I started taking the paperwork home. I, started, I, I, actually, I actually started utilizing what I was learning. And what had happened was, even though I had promised myself to stay out of a relationship for at least a year, I had ran into an old flame of mine who attracted some of my attention. And I even tell her to this day, like kind of defocused me because I, I was on a good path. and. I ended up violating parole and going back to prison. And um, when I came home from prison, I had realized that me and this person, as well as good as friends we could be, I wasn't emotionally or mentally attached to this person. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to tell her that. So instead, you know what I did. You know what I'm saying? I found somebody else to be emotionally and mentally attached to now I la I, i'm chuckling i'm laughing now but it's, 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 it's really not funny that came into a, a frame of a 22 year old young lady and i'm 34. Mm -hmm. but I'm, um i'm a people pleaser i'm a saver you know what i'm saying so she was on she was on actually um probation for a drug charge that she took for some guy, you know, that another form of abuse and things that women and men go through it, you know, but that's a whole nother story. And I'm still, I'm still on parole. So we're technically not supposed to be together. So every day we're risking our freedom, trying to attain our goals. And we keep telling each other, as long as we're doing the right things, as long as we love each other, as long as we, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm going to these classes, but yet still I got this other lady who I have unfinished business with. Right. So, you know, she ends up finding out that I'm still talking to this lady. We have an argument. She leaves for the night, ends up running to some other guy. This is two months into our relationship. Mm -hmm. I forgive her, take her back. We end up together for another 25 months after that, for like a total of two years and some change. You know what I'm saying? And over that two years, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just totally defocused on myself and just put everything into this person. I alienated myself from my friends, my family. I just wanted to be the right person for this person. And I keep saying for this person because the ordeal with her was, was what finally led me to want to be this person for me. You, yeah. Yeah. You know?
and, and another instance in another case to where um, she was the aggressor first. Mm-hmm. You understand? And, and she knew about my history. You understand what I'm saying? And I was already on parole. She's on probation. So, like, it's, it, it's a thin line of walking. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm so glad you said for you because one of the, actually, the very last text message, I believe, um, that I sent to my niece, she, um, before she was murdered, she ended up going back to school because she, she had put her life on hold, let's just be honest, for um, uh, her, for him. She had put her life on hold and um, she had stopped going to college. Well, when she started to find herself, she decided to go back to school and I texted her one night about some Girl Scout cookies I was buying from her, from my great niece, her daughter. And um, I said, I'll cash up you the money. Um, um, and I said, call me. And she was like, well, I'm in class. I'll call you when I get out. I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you for going back to school. And she said, uh, well, I just want, I guess I'll, I just want to make you guys proud, referring to myself and my sisters and my mom. And my last text to her was, no, yourself, you're who's most important. You want to make yourself proud. And um, I think she had started to find her voice because she wanted to, but also it was a way to to make us proud of her. And um, I feel like she has started to lose sight of keeping herself happy and doing things for herself. And I don't want to say that led to her demise because his actions led to her demise. Like we can't take that. Right. But, right. Um, you know, her leaving and stuff, I think she was trying to get herself back on track to make other people and that's the only thing well not the only thing but that's one thing that I do hate that she never found that voice to to love herself first it was always everybody else and that's amazing that you have found that like I'm gonna do this for me and look at you now look at what that brought to you doing it for yourself has brought you you know all this um, knowledge and knowledge and the ability to share with other people to be able to to grow as well. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, another part of it is this, right? So often, especially in the black community, the people who you love and look for for support the most are actually the total opposite. I'm <laughs> you know, like it's like to trying to talk about these things with people who think they know me. Remember, I talked about the book that where they know my name and my name was abuser still. Yes, like my name is former abuser now. Yes, you gotta put the you know what I'm saying? like you gotta put the S in front of it now. It's just like you know, strangers are more, more likely to support you and listen and understand you than, than your own people, and, and, and that's what was my motivation. Like, I, I moved to Atlanta from, from Albany, New York, uh, six months ago, almost seven months ago. And um, I said, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to write this music. I'm, 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 I'm going to indulge in, in, into this program that I'm in um, with, with this record company trying to sell myself as a, uh, as, as a rapper slash singer who raps about heartache, raps about domestic violence, raps about... Uh, uh, the male, the black male plight. Yeah, you know, 
not 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 about you know what everybody else is doing right now. I'm trying to do something different. But what I'm really hoping to turn it into is a book and a movie. Yeah. And, and it's called The Wrong Side of Goodbye. And it's like your your niece's situation is is, is the epitome of the wrong side of goodbye. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And and from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry. And, and, and my condolences go out to you and your family that she get help sooner. Yeah. And that and that I have actually been that man on the other end of that gun and just haven't pulled that trigger. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like, 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 seriously. Because so many, so many fathers, little girls, and mothers, princesses I've ruined and probably are having problems in their relationships today and problems trusting men today because of some of the things that I put them through. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just it, it, the healing comes from not only healing myself, which comes first, but just if one other person can heal from this, then I've done my job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm super appreciative. Like I said, I don't know you, but I'm super appreciative um, for you even taking notice of, of what was going on, um, regardless of if, if something had to happen or not, um, for you taking notice and doing something about it, not just taking notice, but putting action behind it. That means so much as a family member of somebody that ended up on the wrong side of goodbye. Um, because I don't ever want another family, even though I, it has happened countless times since Jackie's death. But I, my goal, my ultimate wish is no other family to ever have to feel that hurt. No other family. Yeah. We, we know, you know, in relationships, nothing is ever going to be 100% roses and peaches and cream all the time. There are going to be arguments. There are going to be fights. Um, but if we, meaning everybody, everybody involved in the relationship can begin to address our hurt and put action behind addressing our hurt and heal from our pain, I, I feel like that's an attainable goal. Um, that's something that can happen, but we got to do the work. And part of the work is sharing our woes with other people so they, they can know they don't have to feel how you feel. They don't have to feel like they're in this alone. They don't have to feel like it's just them. So I'm so appreciative of you and your transparency for, for just that being what it is. Thank you very much. And thank you, like I said, thank you for even giving me the platform to even talk about it. You don't even know how much you're helping towards making the healing process in, in, in my plight and what I'm trying to do even even better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm hoping one day when we get back to normal and this pandemic is up and people are back to, like I said, normal, we can get into these schools and it, it starts young. You know what I'm saying? It starts really young. You have to you have to address these things. Like even I was just talking to my brother last night about um, generational wealth, you know what I'm saying? And just how just so many issues and so many things that are detrimental to my family, my, me as a black man and my, you know, is 
aren't being taught. We have to teach it ourselves or somebody has to, you know, take that step forward. So like there are all, all different issues in this world, whether it be terrorism, whether it be of, of, of a certain culture, you know what I'm saying? Whether it be of, of, a, of a certain body of people or it be us as a human race. Right. To get people on board and just say, you know what? That's positive. I agree with it. And I want to help do something about it. You understand what I'm saying? That I think person, I think this person needs to be heard on a bigger platform because this is something that is near and dear to me because I lost a child or I lost a family member and I haven't had the platform to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and on the topic of generational wealth too, I just want to put this out here. We have got to, and this is, has nothing to do with the topic of this podcast, but I gotta say, <laughs> we have got to start thinking about the futures of our children. Um, how you were saying er earlier on um, about your healing is not just about you, it's about, um, or about your your former partners, it's about your son, and it's about, it's like your Yes, we have got to start thinking about that because other ethnicities and other, um, so, um, other groups, for lack of a better term, have been doing it for years. They've been leaving that generational wealth for, and I'm not saying you gotta leave your kids a million dollars. I'm not saying that. If you do, great, but I'm, not, I'm saying think about them and, and let's plan for the future. Um, because one of, I, I've been taking a lot of different courses and seminars, and one, I guess it is kind of rounding back around into uh, the topic of this podcast, but one of the statistics for, um, Black men, um, I'm only speaking about statistics I've researched on black men. One of the statistics for black men who have been abusers in the past is they grew up in poverty. The majority of them grew up in poverty. And, um, you know, if anybody knows, um, I grew up in Jolie, Illinois, which I won't say that we grew up in poverty, but we were not rich by far. <laughs> and, um, the majority of those people that I grew up with who, you know, took wrong paths, I'll say, um, you know, they ended up in places that they didn't want to be in. They grew up in poverty, but they grew up in a light that they had, to, like you were saying, they had to fight for everything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's that fight or flight syndrome. That's all they got. And they're taught, and you don't run away from nothing. So mm -hmm. their last option is to fight. And that's in their relationships, that's at work, that's at home. That's So if we start building something and generational wealth is not just money, you can leave land, you, you can leave knowledge, but leave, leave a legacy for your kids so that as they're growing, they don't feed into that fight or flight syndrome. Right. And, and, and I think, and I think that, that everything that you said, I definitely agree with. But, you know, like you said, you have a 16-year-old son. So, for instance, you know, you having knowledge of your ancestry and, you know, the, the dynamics of health issues and certain things like that, you know, and being able to, you know, not only monitor them things yourself, but teach your child about it and teach, you know, teach your grandchildren about it when they get here of ways that we can keep ourselves here longer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
my music, my book, and my movie will be my my uh, my offering. You know, my contribution to the world, and I just hope that it it, it takes off as as much as it can and, and reaches as many individuals as possible. It definitely will. It definitely will. Well, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and being transparent. Do you out? Do you want to share any? Of your like your social media, tell people where to find you if they want to reach out, anything like that. So if you want to witness any of my artistry and listen to some of my music, which you can actually you everything I talk to you about is in every song. That's on um, soundcloud.com uh backslash M-I-L-L-A-G. I'm also on Instagram at Thirstmo Records under my artist name Milla G. Um, I'm transparent as much on this podcast as I am on social media. So um, those are my two major platforms for right now. And if you feel free to follow me, there are more to come. And the subject of domestic family and intimate partner violence, but also um, the growth of in the plight of the black male and just um, anything that has to do with healing and growth of the human race and you know, putting forth positivity back into society. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate you so much. And wait for the book and the movie. I'm ready for it. Very much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks. Have a great one. Domestic violence incidents have been prevalent in the news recently, and they always hit a nerve for me. Often, intimate partner abuse is a deep, dark secret that needs to be let out in the open before things can get better. Batterer intervention programs teach abusive partners to identify and self-monitor problematic behaviors and heal from past trauma that may be contributing to their actions. If you or someone you know needs assistance with navigating healing from an abusive relationship, visit www.courseforviolence.com to find a class near you. Y'all, thank you so much for listening to this month's Survivor Story. I pray you've been inspired in some way, shape, or form to keep on surviving. If you have a Survivor Story you'd like to share with our listeners, you can follow us on IG at My Survivor Voice and click the link in the bio. To keep up with monthly episodes, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at trulydanny underscore L. That's T-R-U-L-Y-D-A-N-I underscore E-L-L-E. And that's all I've got for today. Until next time, remember... You cannot heal what you won't reveal. So speak up. Let them hear your survivor voice.